Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 735. Welcome back to Steel Talk, and I'm your host, Gerilyn Steele. Um, our guest will be joining us in just a moment. But I do have to say the voting, um, the voting thing that happened was really a trip, and I have to admit that I do not, I officially do not like ranked choice voting. Uh, voting. I don't like it at all. However, there are people who really are into it and say, hey, this is a better way to do it. Well, that's a whole other subject. But tonight we're going to talk to a guest who actually won um, she is the new city council member representing the area that is known as, uh, well, it's part of North Minneapolis, but it's Ward 4. And for 30 years, Latrish Vita has called North Minneapolis home. I am so excited to have her join us tonight. She defeated incumbent, is it Felipe or Philip uh, Cunningham? Which is it, Latrish? It is Philippe Cunningham. Oh, Philippe Cunningham. You beat him. Yes, you did. And he was a strong proponent, especially of the question, too, on police reform. Tell me, um, were you nervous about that, or was this a really big piece of why you decided to run? So, I, of course, I was nervous about running against an incumbent. Um, that's just really a hard thing to do, um, you know, to be the incumbent and the, the biggest thing was once I got out on the doors talking to people about why I was running, um, it, my my message resonated. We were all worried about safety, and that became a bigger and bigger issue throughout this year. As you as you probably know, you know, crime just skyrocketed in our part of town. Yes, it did. Um, and there are so many uh, ways we can look at that and argue that point. But I do know that where you live and where I live are definitely um, feeling the pain, feeling the stress, feeling the hurt of it all. And so you decided to run to try to make a difference in the community that really helped you uh, a long time ago. Tell us about that. So I, my mom moved, my single mother moved her three children here uh, to the north side over 30 years ago. We were having a hard time in our lives in the projects in Chicago. She just brought us here. Uh, this was the place that loved on us. The north, the north side is the place that embraced us. You know, we've had some challenges over the years, but the north side has always lifted us up. And so I just felt called to give back to the very community that welcomed myself and my family over 30 years ago. Is your mom still with us? Yes, my mom lives in Ward 4. She voted for me. <laughs> of course she did. Okay, so knowing that, what's, how did she feel about it when you came forward and said, I'm running, Mom, I'm going for it? She was a little nervous at first because I told you we had some struggles on the north side. So my mother was a little nervous about, you know, like, oh, my goodness, what are they going to dig up or what? You know, she was a little nervous at first, but she had full faith in her child. I, You know, I ran for park board in 2017 and won. And I, I just think my mother settled into me being on the park board. She was really excited about having her middle child be elected to office in Minneapolis and extremely proud. 
And I don't I don't think I mean, you know, it was me risking it. But I was I think she was like, we can't risk our seat. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and for, to know that you decided it just decided and said, OK, as long as my family is supporting me, the friends that are supporting me, I'm going for this. That is a real challenge because there are people who run for office that don't have um, that type of support that where their family says, yes, go for it. I remember the first time I wanted to run. And of course, I haven't run yet. But when I said to myself, I'm going to run one day, someone I really care for said to me, no, you're not. I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. That's hard to, you know, because I did have some people who say, oh, why would you risk your park board seat, you know, you're so good on the park board. But it, it just wasn't what I felt. I really felt like it was my time to run for city council. I hadn't planned it. I was really just hurt by a lot of the pain I felt my neighbors had. You know, I'm I'm just anybody will tell you, I'm just a people person. I'm a talker, I'm a listener. And you know, there was just so many people I had been hearing at the park board level just talking about the lack of constituent services in the fourth ward, you know, all the crime. And I had some personal connections to, um, you know, uh, gun violence that when I saw the young kids who were shot over the summer, two murdered, one, um, you know, fighting for his life, it just really made me feel like you could be doing more for this city. Yeah, it's really true. And we all should be considering that. What more can we do? Let's talk about who you were as a park board uh, uh, member, right, that sat on the board. If, if you were part of the park board, are you different today now that you are a part of the city council? Well, the park board definitely taught me good lessons in governance, right? Like you learn that um, because I've been an advocate for so many years. I've worked at North Point for 15 years, worked at Fremont Clinic before that and worked on a lot of public health policy. And so I was on the other side of the work. So being on the park board and having the advocates talk to me about issues really showed me both sides. It gave me firsthand experience in governance and how important it is to always talk to everyone and just not the loudest people. You know, mm -hmm. like it, there's groups of people who are extremely loud and they catch your ear. But is that really what majority of the people want? And how are people going to be affected by decisions that you make as a policymaker? And so I learned that. I learned about budgets and finance. You know, the Park Board has a $120 million budget. Here I am at North Point with my $300,000 budget, and it was a lot. But then we get to budget season in the Park Board, and it's three months of your life with, you know, creating a budget and trying to fit things in that fit the communities that um, are usually underserved. So I learned about budgeting and relationships in government are very different. What I found challenging on the park board was that a lot of people never stopped campaigning. They didn't transition into serving. People still govern like they campaigned in like groups and like not really open to things outside of their circle of people they campaign with. You know, I interviewed all four of the um, candidates for mayor of Minneapolis, and I asked the question, you know, I, I did not see um, sometimes I didn't see in any of some of them not come to the door. They didn't come to my door and just or to my mom's door and just say, hey, I want to talk to you about who I am and I'm running for such and such office with you. You went to what it was at 8000 houses or something like that. Over, or was it more over over, over 8000 8, homes. 
And, and yes. you know, when people come to the door and you ring the doorbell or knock on the doorbell, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know. You don't. So, yeah. Did you bring a team of people with you? Did you um, send out information to those homes first to say, hey, this is who I am and you'll probably see me stop by? Oh, no, I just stopped by. You know, I had a vision of knocking every single door in the ward, and I couldn't. If I could have, I would have. I mean, I still had two jobs, so I had to go to work. (laughs) But I, no, I just, you know, I picked an area, I knocked the door, I took a chance. Some doors were open, some weren't. I went back and knocked again in those same areas. And you and, and really, the doors started to open up more after Labor Day. And after that ballot question made the news, um, you know, that there was the back and forth with the judge um, and the ballot question staying on the um the ballot or going off. And that's when people really got checked into this election cycle and really tuned in. So when I, it turned into people opening the doors for me and saying, where are you on the public safety question? Where are you on question number two? This is how I'm deciding on um, who I'm voting for, for city council. Yeah. And some people were really nervous about that question. It's like, how do I answer this? I have to live with my choice uh, on these questions, not just that question, you know, um, but all of the questions that were on the ballot. But question number two was on the minds of so many Minnesotans, especially over North Minneapolis. And by the way, we're talking about the black folks, white folks and any other folks. They were asking the questions. What does it really mean? What is this saying to us? We want to be clear about it. So do you believe that that question had the clarity that we deserve? Oh, absolutely not. And I said that from the get go. When I when I saw it in the explanatory note, I had questions myself. I asked the current councilman, um, what does this mean? Talk to us about the plan. How is this gonna be implemented in thirty days? This just feels like vague language. I felt like the the description is something that could have happened now that we didn't need the ballot question. And when I walked up to the doors, I shared that with people. Or when people stopped in my campaign office, I shared my concerns with them. We had same and similar concerns. As you know, here on the north side, no matter what ward uh, you live in, four or five, people were concerned because we have, you know, Like, we see the effects of these types of things every day firsthand in our neighborhoods. We do. And so, for me, I don't quite know if this has hurt us uh, in in North Minneapolis as a collective or if it has helped us with this particular question. Where do you think North Minneapolis residents and, and even the businesses, where do they stand today now that we've gotten through this question? It's all done. The election is done. What do you think? It Has it harmed us or made us better? I think it's um, given us the opportunity to really talk about how we deal with public safety moving forward. One of the other things I heard from folks a lot and I felt was this, this idea of, of this question and some of the ideas that our current council members have they didn't people in this neighborhood in these neighborhoods didn't have a voice in so this allows for us the opportunity to actually talk about public safety as a community what it means to different neighborhoods you know it's it's not the same in in north minneapolis as it is in other parts of our city we need traffic control on the north side you know i live in ward four um 
Ward 4 is far from the 4th Precinct. The 4th Precinct is on Plymouth and mm-hmm. um, Morgan. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to be advocating for a substation in uh, Ward 4 because we need uh, less call time. You know, it's, it's, it's a long wait when you're in an emergency situation. We hear them saying now, you know, you need an officer there right away for a carjacking situation. And some of these other crimes that have started to happen often in our communities. And so I'm going to be advocating for a substation because I know that's something that's needed in Ward 4, and that's what a lot of folks are talking about. Call time, like how long it take. Right. Do you think it's going to be enough if you had that? No, it's definitely station? not going to be enough. It's definitely not going to be enough. But um, no, it's a start. The chief has talked about a lot of the reforms he's working on. That's a start. We're only at a starting place right now. This is this. Um, you know, public safety is always there's always going to be work to do. It's always going to be changing. And I think what's happened in this city over the last 19 months has allowed for us to have an opportunity to really think about, you know, how we transform and change public safety and, and how we do it together as a community. Okay, so here's the thing. You and I both know that North Minneapolis, uh, the residents, have, has really changed. Uh, the color of North Minneapolis is changing. You know, we have had such a vibrant community of all types of people from all over, black, white, Asian Americans, East Indians, I mean, whomever it is that lives in this community, uh, Hispanics, you know, it's, it's like, okay, we are all family. We have to live amongst each other. But things are changing. Have you noticed? Oh, yeah. They, I, you know what I noticed? And it was just so heartbreaking for me was that it didn't feel like that small town that the north side always felt like to me. You know, it always the north side always felt like that close knit family, people in your business, even when you didn't want them in your business. Everybody knew everyone, you know, no matter where you lived, you bumped into someone at the hardware store. That has changed for sure. But I think it's really the issue of safety. People have been afraid. It's been so scary. It's put a it's put a hold on us as a community in the worst way possible. It's the one issue that should be bringing us together and we should all be working on. And it's divided us. It has divided us, but I also have to admit that we are part of that division. Every one of us over North Minneapolis, we are part of the division. Um, How many people do you see out every day trying to meet and greet others and say, hey, I want to get to know you? Maybe you were one of those during the election, right? Or maybe there were others. But I'm here to tell you, when I walked out the front door, not only was I not meeting and greeting people saying, hey, you know, you know, this is where you you vote around here. And hey, it's so great to have you in the neighborhood. Do you know about us? Is there anything you have questions about? No, I didn't do that. So I was responsible for not making sure that my new neighbors, right, Mm -hmm. knew where to go, knew if you had any questions they could ask me. Now, we do have one neighbor in our neighborhood who goes all around the area um, in my mom's neighborhood and asks those questions, but that's a real challenge. If we don't reach out, I mean, I I blame me. I didn't reach out, and if we all reach out, wouldn't that be the thing to do? Wouldn't that make us better, bring us closer together no matter what color we are? 
Absolutely. And we have to do that. We have to commit to doing that. The reason why the North Side always felt like a small town, the good place, the best place, is because of that. Exactly what you just said. We, you know, we smile at each other. We say hi to each other. We don't just walk past each other when we're going to our car to work in the morning. We help each other out, you know, with picking up the leaves. We have to get back to that. But I do believe that safety is a part of that. I really do believe that feeling safe is a part of why we have that disconnect in our community. Final question. We know that before the election, it was very clear that we don't have enough police officers in the Twin Cities, period, right? Whether it's St. Paul or Minneapolis. And knowing that, um, and you you wanted to make sure that you have police, that you have support, you want to, you know, open up the satellite uh, department. I, it, all of that really matters. But do you think it will really happen? I think it will. I think w- what we've seen um, with the lack of police, in particular on the north side, you know, like how much damage can be done, I think... Uh, you know, the people who live here are going to push me to make sure it happens and push anyone else in leadership positions in our city to make sure it happens. I'm excited about the opportunity, you know, to work with the chief on a robust recruiting program. Hopefully we can get some folks out of our community, you know, some of our neighbors to apply to be police officers and we can incentivize them if they live in Minneapolis. You know, like I, I'm excited about the future. I really do think that um, people want something different. They want to be a part of whatever that difference is. And, and it's just time. We, you know, we've been hurt long enough. It's time for us to really, really, really just, you know, do something big and, and vibrant and fun for our city. I can't wait to find out what that is for you. Latricia Vita, thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations on getting on the city council. That's a big thank deal. Thank you so much. It is. It is a really big deal. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Take, take care of yourself, all right? Thank you. You're welcome. That is Latricia Vita. Of course, she has called North Minneapolis home for a long time, and now she is the new city council member representing uh, Ward 4. How about that? We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices so join the revolution subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring listen on your odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you'll be glad you did